The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to uh, Strategy Cafe. Uh, just take a moment for a few more people to log in and just pause a little on this welcome slide uh, just to say hi. Maybe nice just to take a moment just to check in with you all. Nice to see you there. Um, Bert, morning, Chris. Hello, John. Hello, David. Hello, Michael. Hi, Nikki. Hi, Saul. Welcome to this morning's Strategy Cafe. I hope you've got your coffee beside you and you're feeling motivated and perky. So agenda for today, we're going to start off with a little bit about uh, Alembic in a moment and just introduce you to Matt and Rosanna for those of you who haven't met them. Um, and then uh, we sent around a poll. You might still be able to find the link for that. And if you haven't filled it in, it only takes a minute or two. So it'd be great if you could just find that poll link. And if you haven't filled it in, just take a moment to give us your answers while we get going. And then this is the first of a series of webinars. Um, we're going to be just opening up this conversation uh, about vision and look at some of the really important aspects of that. And today's one is just sort of headlines, you know, what's the bigger picture? So the new landscape, what's changed forever, what's not changed, how to start thinking about a new vision moving forward from now. Uh, maps, a really interesting uh, concept around the inner map and how it relates to motivation that Rosanna's going to be talking us through. Um, bringing it all together with a summary and some recommendations and, and next steps. Um, we're going to keep going until uh, nine o'clock and then we'll stay on for 10 or 15 minutes for questions. So those of you who have to you know, get back to another meeting, whatever, welcome just to click off at that point. We'll record it all so and send around the recording so you can pick up any Q&A afterwards if you need to go. But you're welcome to stay. We'd love to have you until about quarter past nine and we'll, we'll take Q&A. Please put your questions um into the uh, question area on um go to webinar and uh, we'll pick those up at the end um, we'll keep an eye on them and if there's things that are coming in which seem really relevant and important as we go and we'll try and pick them up as we go but we'll probably pick them up on 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 the top of the hour so let's get going um I guess you all know me. Uh, I'm Nick. I'm founder um, and MD at Alembic. Um, uh, you probably know, because I keep repeating the story, that I'm the son of a psychotherapist, was brought up in uh, a Buddhist centre, and Sarah, who's my co-director and uh, wife and um, takes part in the business, is a physiotherapist, a bit um, of the same background as Robin. Um, morning, Robin. It's lovely to see you. Who's also on the webinar, and uh, we kind of pull all those things together in uh, our unique approach to leadership, which starts with starts with the body and the brain, and making sure that everyone understands how to sort of optimize that sort of fundamental tool that we all live in. So that's me, and I just like to shout out to Rosanna and Matt. Maybe Rosanna first. Morning. Do you want to just say hi and tell everyone about you? Yeah. Good morning, everybody. Um... So it says Rosanna has a finance background. Um, I've been with Alembic since it started five years ago. Um, and I think one of the things that has, um, you know, become really clear to me, um, you know, working with leadership teams 
um, is around this question of future leadership. So I'm really interested to explore this question of future leadership today. A lot of my work um, is involved with leadership teams going through transition. So whether that be succession or M&A. And so this question of how to lead in the future always comes up. So it's really nice to give that question some airtime today. So that's me and how I work with clients. Uh, morning everyone and Matt for those of you that don't know me so I've been uh, with Alembic for around two years now um, my background's in the healthcare sector so working mostly in large private healthcare organizations and with new market entrants um, I'm one of the two senior strategy facilitators and client managers at Alembic Rosanna being the other one um, and uh, similarly I work on all kinds of complex problems with business leaders and their teams um, so we deliver them predominantly through coaching, uh, large group or small team facilitation or implementation through project management. Right, let's get going. Um, uh, thank you team for being on with me this morning and helping out. So um, I'm just going to drop the slides for a second and see if I can um, competently share with you the poll results. Uh, so just bear with me one sec while I get that up. Um, and um, right. Right, and just let me, um, Rosanna and Matt, we, am I sharing the right screen? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Right, we um, put a couple of poll out. Uh, we thought about this a little bit late, really. Um, so I'm going to leave it open for the whole of the series. Um, so if you haven't filled it in, you've still got time to find that link and complete it. Um, please share it around and what we're going to do is just uh, keep it open for a couple of months and just uh, collect results um, until we get to a higher number of responses and just keep sharing those and updating them. So um, but here's the initial insight from 18 respondents. So a few questions here, you know, um, question about clear vision for 2021. Interestingly, most people are a yes on that. Um, only four people who responded had had a no, and then same uh, response for communication amongst the team. So, concept so far from the 18 respondents is that I know what I'm doing, and everyone else knows what they're doing and what we're doing. Confidence is quite nice here as well. This is a little bit more mixed, but there's a really good slice of fairly confident there, um, with only one person responding not confident. Just quite interesting to see that. So extremely confident and fairly confident is the predominant kind of feel. And I guess that makes sense. I guess we are all somewhat expecting, um, as lockdown is gradually eased, a resurgence of the UK economy. And so there should be strong growth in the next 18 months and something to get ready for. Um, biggest opportunity for, uh, opportunity for 2021. So you can see some of the responses there. New investment, expanding our remit as an organisation, increasing our own brand sales. Um, see, so uh, negligible returns on cash, institute recognition, change in direction, um, clinical practice, increasing our own brand sales, expanding our remit as an organization. Quite a nice variety of responses there. The biggest challenge, let's just look at these ones at the top here. So flexing our product to client demands as they return. Uh, balancing projects to expand while achieving and maintaining momentum, increasing our own brand sales, interesting stuff. And then motivation, pretty motivated and somewhat motivated, everyone, which is great to see. Um, team motivation, less sure, interestingly less sure here. 
Um, and then just a couple of questions around Office. So um, by, by far the majority of result is you know mixed, part Office, part Home is the future, and that really chimes. Actually, probably slightly more dominant result than some of the other surveys from this 18. What do you fear? Loss of culture. Um, bit of a peak on anxiety and isolation there. And then what are the two most important gains? Oh, it looks like someone's just filled it in. We've got an extra one. Uh, so um, time saving and well-being being the two most important gains. So there you go. That's the sort of initial responses from the questionnaire. So um, keep filling that in if you haven't done it and we'll send it around. I'm going to flip back to the presentation. Right, just a quick run through. So um, this kind of chimes with um, the business leader report that uh, that was done in our group um, a little bit earlier this year. 90% of business leaders were saying uh, that working from home, flexible arrangements are here to stay. And that very much chimes with what you guys have just said there in the poll. And that this was the number one pandemic uh, benefit. Uh, really interesting uh, stat there. Um, and uh, I think just in tune with that, we were starting to think about, you know, how the environment has shifted. Um, and so, you know, this landscape has got some of the challenging new features slash opportunities, depending on your mindset. But just running through them, you know, virtual culture is obviously here to stay. Climate change, you know, is an unavoidable set of problems and opportunities that, you know, the whole world is just really starting to try and tackle in a better way. And we're expecting much more change on that coming down the track. Rapid digitization, I mean, it's accelerated so fast and it's going to continue. Um, global trade currently really unstable, probably going to stay unstable. It's impacted by all of this stuff. Travel disruption, we all know about that. Virtual relationships. Um, I just, you know, word of warning from the financial environment as business comes back, there's a tendency to overtrade and businesses that have been protected losing that protection. So you've got to watch out for credit risk in the next 18 months and be cautious about debt recovery and managing your debt terms. Could there be political instability after all of this? I'd be surprised if there wasn't. Um, so that could be a big factor. Um, picked out online education. Just everybody has been learning online. All the students have been learning online. I know there's going to be a return to the classroom, but just that different approach to teaching and learning is here to stay. And we should really riff off that over the next you know, few years and develop it in our businesses. There's a few things there. When we did this exercise, we came up with about 30. And I've just picked out, you know, uh, half a dozen or so here. I just kind of want to say that for me, everything, everywhere you look in the landscape has changed. And so you really need to readdress, you know, your strategic factor analysis. And then we'll come on to it later. But people are motivated by things in their environment. And if everything in the environment has shifted, people's inner landscape, their motivation is likely to have shifted. So just check in on how everything has changed with your significant team members and the rest of the team. But one thing it's not changed. Um, humans are 200, 300,000 years old. It's not that old. And uh, we're here because we're highly adaptive. Um, and that's somewhat due to the unique configuration of the brain. Uh, we build something like two million synaptic connections per second between birth and around three, at which point we have over a quadrillion connections in our minds and that neurome which is my name for it that neurome is highly adaptive it molds itself into new environments 
It's a learning and avoiding engine. And the two key functions are activation and depression of connection. You know, so the key thing to remember here is that high levels of emotion, high levels of feeling and high levels of repetition of behavior are the two most important factors in change, really. And both are vital for embodying new competences. So going beyond knowing about it in your mind to being able to do it like a fabulous concert pianist unconscious competency, if you get my drift, is embodied. And that comes from those two things. So, you know, being human and human experience, um, you know, we've gone through just absolute, um, you know, tsunami of change in the last year. And we can do that, but a lot of people will not cope in this new environment. And one of our jobs as a leader is to find people who are coping really well and help get behind them and support them as they help others. And to find the people who are not coping well and don't do well in this offline, virtual, unregulated environment and help them with their motivation, their time management, their productivity, etc. I think that's key to all of this. Um, and um, I think it's worthwhile just sort of chatting briefly about my experience as I hand over to Matt. Um, so, you know, as lockdown happened about this time last year, not, not long from now, last year, my first experience for the first three months was just incredibly busy helping clients um, manage their response to the crisis you know, with uh, lots of different legal jurisdictions and managing furlough arrangements and just talking to hundreds of people to contract how we're going to manage it all and, you know, saving cash. 12 hours a day, constantly on Zoom, completely exhausted, and then took a break. And then things quietened down a little in the summer as the um, lockdown eased and we started to open up. And for me as a leader, I kind of just had to then take a step back and say, crikey, what is this? Let's just, you know, get out of that crisis mode. You know, what do we do here? This is just incredible. How do we get things back onto a level playing field? Um, and for me, you know, that was a response around uh, fear, uh, crikey, um, how do I tackle this? Um, and then a quick return to basics. You know, let's get back to basics. You know, what are the basic things that we can do well Let's rally everyone around that. Let's just get back to the routines of that. Let's double all of that. You know, a bit like a rugby team that's lost momentum is on the back foot. They just need to do their plays as well as they can. And so we've just practiced that, I think, since then to try and get a momentum back. And that was kind of my experience. And I guess even sitting here now, I can look back at the year, you know, in a way with a sense of shock. And I don't think there's any problem in admitting that. I think it is just I feel a sense of shock still at you know the experience of the last year maybe that's a great place for me to shut up and having set the scene i don't know whether that resonates with you but maybe it does and i'm going to hand over to matt and just ask him to talk about this how do we how matt so how do we how do we you know untangle that and get into this um well that's that's a good place to jump off um i think you probably find that there's a lot of people that are aware for that uh, level of change and planning ahead um, and you're a perfect example for, for business leaders who are facing all these challenges that we've already touched on um, it can be very difficult um, to carry that ownership and responsibility and lead their organizations through the difficult times and out of the other side um, I think one of the things is that, that it can be very challenging to find space to look ahead uh, there's so much going on um, and that's happening around us. And I know a number of clients we've worked with um, throughout the whole pandemic have found even medium term planning can be a complete nightmare. Um, 
when the environment is so volatile and unpredictable. So talking to a, a little bit about what we do at Alembic, um, we use a methodology that you can see on screen. It's called Now Where How. Um, so this is a framework that takes all the all important first step of looking at your current position in some detail. And it's a really critical step to building strategy. So building that base of understanding and, um, and clarity is a really critical stage. Um, so it's really important for your outcome to start by being radically honest with yourself in the early stages and getting all of those issues onto the table. Um, it also often pushes people to confront and deal with their emotions about the issues, which can probably be a quite high state in, in the current environment for some people. Um, and it's particularly important in clearing the way for further constructive discussion uh, further down the line. Um, so ultimately, we're trying to understand the where in now, where, how, uh, which is an exercise in looking forward to where we're trying to get to. Um, so this is about pulling your eyes away from what's immediately in front of you and could be obstructing your way forward and doing some planning. Um, that sounds very simple. So it's it's not a walk in the park, but particularly when you know predicting the next six months is comparable to predicting the lottery numbers at some stages in the pandemic. Um, however, having that vision and understanding of what you're aiming for, both for yourself and for your team, is really important. Um, and there's a number of things you can do to help um, mitigate the inaccuracy, uh, such as scenario planning. Um, and ultimately, it's really important to stress that strategy is not static. It's a mistake people often make. Um, continuing with the sports reference, if you managed a football team at halftime and you were three down, your strategy going into the second half will probably look quite different from kickoff. So don't be afraid to go back to your strategy and adjust it as much as you like. Um, it's, a, it's a document or um, discussion that's ever evolving. So it's kind of in summary, you should start by taking stock of where you are, working to clear your emotions, and take that ownership and move forwards towards your vision and your goals. And hopefully that will help you with um, some clarity, both for yourself internally and for your team. Rosanna, you had a great question here. Do you want to come in? Yeah, sure. I mean, I just really like the point on strategy not being static. You know, it's it's dynamic. Um, and I'd like to highlight, I suppose, the need to keep that time together as a leadership team. I think what's what's come evident for us, you know, working with boards and leadership teams is that it's forced us into spending more time actually working on these quite scary, emotional, difficult things. And we've just got to make decisions about that. Um, and so that has in the last year felt quite short term and into problem solving. But I suppose a question that we're starting to enter into as we start to, as you say, Matt, you know, lift our eyes further towards the horizon. I think it's about, okay, how do we keep that time together and honor that? And maybe the nature of those conversations different. They are more towards long-term, more towards growth. And, you know, it's great to see actually the results on the poll is going, actually, everybody is sort of working on the vision, you know, at least for the next 12 months. So that's really good to see. But how do you keep that leadership time together to evolve that continually and, you know, keep it alive, keep it dynamic and making sure that you're ready to respond um, in, in a dynamic way? 
um, you know, so the question is, how are you all going to ensure that? How are you all going to keep that leadership time? So when things sort of start to temper out and get a bit more, you know, business as usual, you know, how do you keep that focus on the long term? Um, a really interesting question there. Matt, what do you think? I mean, one of the things I thought about this is that, um, you know, sometimes as a leader, you have to look ahead and some of the things you're looking at can be quite scary. Um, maybe one of the scenarios you're looking at is not that great and it's a possibility. So as a leader, you've got to, you've got to, got to uh, consider that. I guess in my mind, you know, uh, you know, relating that back to Rosanna's points, do, how much do we tell the team? Uh, that part of the story um, is it important to be completely honest or do you think there's a place for um, keeping some of your thoughts about vision to yourself where do you sit on that I do I think it is different for different teams um, I think uh, on your point on the scenario planning I think for some people that can be incredibly useful and um, to have scenarios and understand your options uh, it really works well in taking heed of where you are now and looking at those options out in front of you. I'm just, some people can find it uh, a little overwhelming, um, but it's an exercise which is most of the time very useful, particularly when your actual future is very uncertain. Um, on sharing with the team, again, yeah, very, very different for different management teams. You will know your team better than we will. Um, I do think it's important to have somebody on your team that you can talk these things through with. Um, leadership can be very lonely. It can be difficult at the top, and it's something people don't talk about too often. Um, so I think having somebody, when things are so unpredictable, a second opinion to um, bounce your ideas off is really important and can be you know, incredibly supportive for leaders. Don't feel like you need to be an island. Yeah, so I feel like leaders are not immune uh, to any of the emotions that anyone else faces. It's just they maybe happen to have the um, the role and they have the obligation, you know, which goes with the position. So uh, I think it's a great a great shout to say, you know, um, just acknowledge that, find someone um, to to talk through, you know, worries, concerns, anxieties with at the same time as developing a full range of risk analysis in your vision. I think that brings us nicely to um, to this slide, Rosanna, around that point about the map and where is the person in all of this? Do you want to pick up on this? Completely. And I think it's you know really important that you have a, a, a clear vision for the landscape of the organisation. Um, it is definitely worth evaluating the landscape of your people and how they relate to that vision. Um, and so the question here is, what's their map? How do they see the vision? How do they relate with the vision? And what's motivating for them in that? Um, because they're coming from it at a different perspective. They're contributing to the strategy in a different way. Um, and I suppose the, you know, the, the point here is around we, we've all been through this transition. And so there's a, the, the first part of that was sort of, you know, ending of that world as we knew it, it and sort of letting go of the old ways. You know, your story at the beginning, Nick, I think it's, you know, there's like a letting go of that and having to then look to, OK, well, the old reality has gone and the new one how fully formed is that I, I, I um, maybe I can see it as a vision but I, it's not that clear 
Um, and so I think as you start to develop that organisational vision, this sort of new beginning becomes clearer and that brings energy and purpose. But I think the point here is that that energy and purpose might have shifted for your team. And so when you talk about motivation, you know, motivation theory suggests that actually any um, significant transition in your life brings an emotional response and that actually has the power to shift the direction of our motivation so typical things like having kids or moving jobs um, or you know a pandemic you know they're all things that might shift our focus towards security you know towards stability towards relationships and i think definitely what's come out in the last year is that our you know the craving and the motivation and the drive for um, actually relationships and connections um, so it's interesting to think how does the organizational picture meet the map um, the desires and the motivations of our team. So maybe people are less motivated now about achievement or growth and more about relationships and more about how are we protecting the business? How are we protecting our jobs? How are we protecting our own motivations and purpose? So this is just a nice slide that sort of, you know, one shows that, you know, there's a map and actually we all have a different map. We all see things differently. We all see things in a different way and have a different way of getting there. Um, and, you know, actually having that conversation with your teams around what's driving them, has their motivation shifted? So it's great to see that, you know, on the survey responses that, you know, a lot of you saying that the team are really motivated. Um, I wonder, like, have you thought about the, the shifts in, in people's motivations? You know, what are they going through? Um, and um, you know, a common motivation today is around that certainty, connections, and also flexibility. Um, and that gives us a choice. Um, so I think um, what's happened in the last year has meant sort of a short term, um, maybe more to survival. Maybe our motivations have shifted more towards survival. Maybe now we're in a tipping point back towards more long term and growth. Maybe you as a leader are, maybe the team are still in that short term survival response so um you know finding out what their energy is um and then linking it back to the vision that you're creating so you know for everybody coming on the journey with you we should consider their map you know what's their story what's their part to play how do the people behind making this vision happen relate to the journey that you're on you know how they're going to engage what they're going to be doing and ultimately is that going to be for them is that going to serve them um and so i think just starting to have that conversation and not to assume that um i think as a leader is sort of quite quick to respond back to the long term the team might not be as quickly behind you as you might think so always just worth asking and thinking about any shifts in the team's motivations I think maybe there's some questions on that. I'd be curious to see whether people resonate with those ideas. Um, so do put some questions in the chat if you want to ask me questions on that. There's a couple of great comments uh, from David Gill. And I think Matt, uh, you had a question for Rosanna on this one. So do you want to ask your question, Matt? And then I'll pick up David's point. Yeah. Well, firstly, I think motiv looking at motivation is an incredible exercise for your team, and it's a brilliant tool for reflecting individually as well. 
Um, I've been talking to a few people struggling with motivation in the new landscape. Uh, you know, where it's, there's more emphasis on self-drive and motivation than there's ever been before. So I've been steering people towards understanding their time a bit better and sort of asking them to reflect on their motivation at work and in their personal lives because there's much more crossover in personal lives as there's ever been as well. I'd be interested to know, Rosanna, um, if that's also been your experience and whether you've got kind of a go-to steer um, when you're speaking to people about their motivation. Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely common. I think you, you know, you only need to sort of um you know read a linkedin article on motivation and it all it will talk to that um and i think everybody's experience has been very different and um, so you have to meet the person where they're at so there's no sort of blanket approach but i think there's an interesting way of thinking about why people do things so one way of looking at it is am i um I'm moving away from a pain, so this has been a difficult experience that I'm moving away from, or I'm more there's something in the future that excites me, and mm. I'm moving towards that. And so um, we can talk about what is motivating, but sometimes that's actually that's actually too big a question because that's too all-encompassing. Um, and actually, it's finding out what the pain points are that that person is maybe is demotivating for them, and getting them to sort of come away from that. Or are they more of a towards and have a focus on what is going to sort of drive them in the future? And I think understanding that gives you a sense of where they're at. Um, but I think people are feeling demotivated. The other thing to, as well is that, um, you know, um, maybe we all had development plans a year ago and they've just sort of all gone out the window. Um, and there's, um, you know, that was probably really motivating for me to have a plan of how I'm going to develop over the next year. And that just hasn't happened for most people because, you know, the training's not been there and we've all had to sort of respond and sort of cope. Um, but I think actually resetting those goals is really important and breaking those down so that you can sort of work in more smaller chunks and just sort of, you know, it's like taking off your to-do list, just sort of getting things done and getting a, a reward, you know, a positive feeling of ticking things off, a positive reward of just achieving little things. Um, so they're just some things that I, I, I think help around the conversation around demotivation particularly. That's great, thank you. Um, I want to move the conversation on a little bit. Um, I think it's a good kind of reference into the change success model. Um, but I just want to pick up a couple of points in transition from David Gill, who's um, here said, emphasizing the importance of being a team. You know, members offer different skills and value, but keep reinforcing uh, the key of getting through the storm is about working together, being tolerant and empathetic. I think empathy week we're in at the moment um, and is a really powerful skill for leaders to develop as we move away from that sort of hero CEO kind of mode and into uh, really understanding people better. Everything you've been saying, Rosanna, requires us to tune in and understand the map of our colleagues, I think. But I think he makes a great point. He also says it's dangerous to look too far ahead. And um, I want to challenge that a little bit. I think in times where there's a lot of volatility, Kind of you move into agile mode, which does mean short term, you know, little steps, baby steps as you work your way through, you know, what can be a complicated environment. So your kind of your chunk size or the, you know, the next challenge has to be faced sort of head on. But I think we've always said that 
Um, I think it can be difficult to look up ahead in those sorts of times um, because it's hard. And I don't think that gets us off the hook. However, I think it's still important to check, you know, that the overall direction of travel is right. Otherwise, your kind of short term problem solving can end up leading you down a wrong alley. So it's really important to me to keep checking in. I don't think you have to set your goals too tightly, but you need to make sure that you are on track and it's still motivating in terms of the total journey. And I think, you know, I think that links to this next slide. Um, and um, uh, this is our change success model. I think reflecting on everything everyone has said, as you get started looking up and thinking about where you are, you know, and looking around and what is my journey and what's the story, one of the things we've always said is start by just looking at your feet very, very clearly and understanding where you are. So radical honesty about now and finding out exactly what's happening in the environment, especially around your people, is really important. So to all this earlier com conversation, this model is a great diagnostic. Um, we're going to share a, um, a uh, link after the webinar to you all so you can do a sort of now diagnostic on your own business and share that with us if you wish to. Um, and it helps people score around this really important question um, that I see Robin is also picking up on around beliefs. So, you know, do I believe in this new mission that we're on? Do I believe in the business's, you know, story and my part in it? So, and am I supported in that? So, so do my significant others agree with me and support me? What's my attitude to this? That's like team members and me. Um, how difficult do I think it's going to be? And is that demotivating or motivating? On the top right hand side, you've then got how ready are we? So just to check in to make sure your business planning is complete and coherent. You know, do all the leaders support what we're doing? Have we really articulated why we're doing this? Um, do we need to check back in and what's in it for people? And that's motivation. It's not just money. Um, is this the right process? Is there a better one? And how confident do we feel about moving forwards? Some great questions. And both those top two on beliefs and readiness then feed into this concept of capability. And the idea here is that capability only gets released fully when beliefs have got a high score and readiness has got a high score so whether you've got capability or not its release into projects comes when the other two scores are high and capability is split evenly between individuals so that embodied skill you know the higher level of mastery and performance in each of the jobs like the expert level and then organizational you know what's your brand you know what's your network what are your relationships like as an organization what's your ip like you know, what are the capabilities you've got? You can see just at the top right there, a few little words, you've got to score really high to be ready on this. So 23 out of 30 for, for beliefs, 25 out of 30 for readiness, 30 out of 40 is for capability. So that bar is high. Um, and I think it's worth just checking in on that if you want to get into that you know, success zone. Um, just conscious of the time and just running a little bit past nine. It's going to just give you the wrap up slides and then we'll come back to questions. So please pile your questions in and we'll stay on and answer them. Um, but just a quick summary of the discussion. So people haven't changed, but they are adaptive. Um, so just watch out for those who are struggling to adapt. And also there will be people in the environment who really thrived. So they could be helpful. But do they know your vision? Do they know where you're going? You know, can they be influencers for your leadership story and help in that way? They'll definitely be connecting and reaching out. And then just everything in the environment has changed. So change your analysis. I think risk risk uh, is a really great strategic tool and it's a great time to do risk analysis right now. 
but then also update your strategic factors and understand you know where the environment has shifted for you opportunities and threats are in there so the SWOT comes up lift your vision uh, definitely short-term detail so next three months next six months next year detail longer term is harder but I don't think you're off the hook on that I think you've still got to look at the difficult picture ahead and check in that the journey is correct and then also motivation you know Rosanna's great point what's going on inside in people's internal maps can you understand that how do you get to that and that role for empathy um, and then just recheck your position on the change success model. I remember listening to a really motivational guy years ago who said, when you want to play tennis at a really high level, you don't keep your eye on the scoreboard, you keep your eye on the ball. That's a great point. In, in life, you know, the ball is the person. So keep your eye on the person is our kind of like summary point. Don't forget the team member. Don't make assumptions about where they're at. Check. Don't make assumptions about where your customers are at. Check. Don't forget their personal story as part of all of this. Um, and I think that's a really nice kind of final point here. So um, thank you for staying with us. Um, we have um, three more sessions coming up, which you'll find on the website, and there'll be an email to show you where you can register for these. We're going to deep dive around culture, communication, place. Then we're going to move on and look at identity, belonging, brand, and motivation. And then with those two kind of done, uh, we're going to then start to look at productivity, effective online supervision, high performing virtual teams. And we've already done a session on this, which is on our YouTube site for the London Chamber of Commerce and Industry, which touches on some tips for that last session. So if you want to grab some of those tips now, go check out our YouTube channel. There's some some great stuff there. Um, OK. So I'm going to come back to questions and thanks everyone for, for staying with us who, who can. Um, David Gill has just said demotivating tends to be a gradual process, whereas positivity and um, being inspiring can have an instant effect. Don't forget that. It's a great point. Um, Rosanna and Matt, do you want to come in on, on any of these questions? I mean, I think that is a really interesting point about demotivation. I think um, it, it 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 might be it might feel like that, um, you know. And I think if you sort of look for problems and demotivating instances, I think it's really interesting. So I think the question you're raising is: Are we aware of when that is a motivational event and that sort of boosted us? And I think the granularity on both sides of the coin, motivation and demotivation, is really important. And so, um, you know, having a little mental gauge of the day um, and, you know, what was good, what was bad, I think challenges, you know, um, you know, what we're doing and what that's serving us for. And I think it does link back to beliefs. What do we believe is the right thing to do and focus on? Um, so catching demotivation quickly is the point there, which I think is really nice. And you might not, you don't wait for the big event to, to happen. Um, so the question is, what can we do to spot signs? And I think that is looking for what is motivating in that person and focusing there. Yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, motivation is, is so fundamental. It's, it can make your life so much easier, understanding your motivation and your team's motivation. It's the something which is there in the background every day and just understanding in yourself how to steer towards your motivators and help to steer away from your demotivators um, can make your life easy and, and more fun. Um, it's just that going through the exercise of trying to, to identify them. 
was just going to add um, about just giving yourself a bit of a break as well. Um, so, you know, when you're feeling demotivated, you're like, right, I've got to like find what's motivating for me. And like, oh, that sort of is quite a big feeling. And actually just giving yourself a bit of an allowance um, to just let that happen and just sort of notice it, reflect on it. Um, but I, I think feeling flat is a common thing. So not like demotivated, but just not motivated. It's just feel very flat. And the point I was going to make was around um, tiredness. So tiredness can blur the clarity of what's going on for you. So um, I think the more sleep you get, the more clarity, the, you know, the sense of flatness might, might still be there, but you might just get more clarity on why. And so I think sleep is a really important thing um, to not neglect. Yeah, um, I think they're great points. And um, um, I think David's point about motivation being, you know, potentially quite fragile or volatile and move quite quickly is a really important one. It's just kind of really changed into the human side of us. Uh, you can almost think as, uh, of motivation as a factor in a strategy diagram. It's not, is it? It's a, something felt and, uh, you know, you can have motivation at nine and then something happens and you can feel flat at 935. So um, just recognizing that that, you know, the innate essence of that is is volatile, but there are some sort of um, elements of it which are, you know, more enduring in people and understand the human side of it. Speaks to a point made by Bert as well, which I'm interested in your views on this. Um, he talks about this in terms of engagement. Like my comment here would be, just to wrap up quickly on this, is from a, from a leadership perspective, you know, the strategy can the strategy can be tough to analyze but it's doable um and there is a sort of known methodology for that and you know you can get help but but strategy can be done the thing that everyone really struggles with is a many called execution but i'm going to just use a different word that Bert's used which is engagement because i think that's a better word um once the strategy is set the really important question is about that is about how motivating is it for people in your organization and for your customers and for your investors you know and if it's motivating and they can see how to get involved you know they'll get engaged right so i'm just curious about that from you know matt and rosanna your point of view if you've got any observations about how how to make sure that we're asking the right questions about motivation and checking in on specifically on engagement yeah, I think this is something which is really important to do when you're pulling strategy together. Um, if you can't engage, then you will not implement well. It will be a rocky road. Um, obviously, in building strategy, there are objectives that all organizations have to reach, financial and otherwise. They're the things which are generally easier to put down on paper. Your uh, board might tell you how much profit you're to make. You might have expectations around other things understanding um, what drives and motivates your staff is, is more difficult and um, it it should really be part of your planning right from the grassroots of saying we want to make strategy is understanding what motivates your staff and right from right from low level staff in any department all the way up to the directors that are helping guide the strategy if you don't get it right you're going to have an absolute nightmare in, in the implementation. I also think it's it's the IKEA effect. Uh, maybe lots of people have been doing DIY in the last year, but um, I think, you know, the IKEA effect is all around, you know, if I've built that, I'm more attached to it. So, um, 
you know, when it comes to strategy, I'm more engaged in that project, more engaged in working hard, and I'm more engaged when it goes wrong to help sort it out as well. Um, so there's less of a disconnect there. So I think just remember, you know, what of what of the strategy can be delegated, um, and we always encourage that. And I think leadership teams always learn something new about their team, thinking about something differently, and they end up sort of going with it. And it's you know they've they've taken things in a different direction, which is so valuable. Yeah. Um, and I think um, it's actually just really engaging and really nice to see. Um, so do remember the IKEA effect. I think I think there is a lot of attachment there in um, you know the contribution that people make. Well, I think that's a lovely point. Just conscious of time, maybe we should just wrap up for folks. Um, just want to pick up on some nice comments. Um, Michael Shapiro, thank you very much, Michael, for your comment here. It's important to encourage teams to get away from their desk and out in the fresh air. They need to realise the world will still be there in an hour. Yeah, I completely agree. And it was an opportunity yesterday for me to go and look at the primroses and. Checking on the early autumn buds for an hour was lovely. Definitely felt better after that. And then Robin um, Silverton, hello Robin, and thank you very much for comment. Um, compassion around periods of demotivation is key. I completely agree. Um, as the leader, I think really understanding this is, um, you know, is 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 to approach it with no judgment and just understand. Um, so empathy. However, you practice that questioning, listening, actually listening properly and understanding um and um you know tuning in no judgment that's a really powerful skill but i think also to the earlier point about scary some of the scary things that you have to think about such that some things are confidential and must remain confidential nevertheless you know our encouragement is to rosanna's point is you know that to go as far as you can towards authenticity towards honesty and tell the hard truths as well as the opportunities because again it, you know it's it, it builds trust and that's also really helpful in in empathy and there's so much information that can flood through your people into the strategic picture building if you can bring them in and so therefore you know authenticity openness transparency i think is really important you push it as far as you can um and everyone has to make their judgment on what the line is there because there is a line there's definitely a line and it's the most difficult line to balance on as a leader between openness and privacy um so um we're going to wrap up there thank you uh everybody for uh joining in this morning for all your comments um thank you michael thank you david uh gil for your lovely points throughout um saying here don't flog a dead horse if a team member doesn't get it engage with those who do get it too many leaders spend too much time trying to convince those resistant to change I have a counterpoint to that, which is what is their resistance? I think and that's a really interesting question to ask. You know, what is that? Because there might be something really powerful there in the resistance. If you can be empathic and open to what is it, um, there could be a lesson there for you. Um, and uh, thank you, Libby. Um, thank you, everybody, for staying on. And thank you, um, Matthew and Rosanna, uh, for your awesome uh, comments and contributions this morning. This will be up on YouTube in a few hours' time, and we look forward to seeing you on the next section where we're going to be talking about culture, communication and place. Hope you all have a lovely day. Take care. Yes.